Good evening, welcome, welcome. If you would just come on in and find your spot. We are so excited to have here, have you here. In the Bible, it says that they were glad as they went to the house of the Lord. And I am truly glad to see each and every one of you. We've got a couple announcements real quick. Next Friday, September 15th, we're having a bowling night. Um, it's all, it's free. If you want to have snacks, that's on you, but the bowling is on uh, the church. If you want to come, we would love, we need you to sign up so we can be ready to go. We're super excited about it. It's going to be a lot of fun. Two days after that, next Sunday, we're having a baby dedication. So if you've had a baby in the past and you want to dedicate them to the Lord, sign up on, back there too. We're trying to remember if we did that with Lena yet. So if anyone else can remember, let me know because Jude and I both can't remember if we dedicated her yet. So I don't know if we should sign her up or not. We need your help. <laughs> but Okay, so if you're ready to worship the one who deserves all of our praise, let's just stand to our feet and I'm going to pray and we're going to get started. Father, we thank you for who you are, that you can win every single battle, that you hold every key, that you can open up any door that the enemy has closed, God, that you can lift any burden off of us, Lord. And God, I pray that as we worship you tonight, that you just come and meet us here. Just like the Bible says that you do, that you inhabit our praise. So when we praise, we know that you're coming. Lord, I pray that we can just honor you in all that we do. That we can let go of our days, worries, Father. That we can let go of anything that's plagued us this week and lay it at your feet and not pick it back up as we leave the door. Just come, Lord. We give you all of our worship because you are good and you are so worthy of our praise. Amen.
change our whole life, that we can be forever changed with just one moment of saying yes to you. And let that be our cry tonight, Father, that we just say yes to you, even if we messed up right before we got here. We just say yes again, Father. I am captivated by you, Lord. I am ruined for you. Nothing else is going to satisfy. I will never be the same. I'm yours and you are mine. We love you, Lord. We love you, Jesus. We thank you for who you are and what you've done for us, what you've called us out of and what you're calling us to. Just come have your way in this place tonight. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. He's moving, guys. Isn't he good? He is so good. He is so worthy. We love you, Father. Amen. Well, we're glad to have you here tonight. If you would, just go around and greet some of your family of faith. And kids, you are dismissed.
Yes, yes, you hear me? All right. If not, I'll just get off here and shout. I'm all right with that. Let's do it. We'll go ahead and take up tithe and offering tonight. Once again, we... Man, I don't know, just for a minute. I was thinking during worship there, uh, I think we dance enough. You guys ever feel like dancing during worship? And I do. Lisa? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. That's okay. Sometimes I watch the kids up here and, you know, the kids back there, and they're just really excited and happy and dancing. And that's all right. We worship the Lord in, in different ways and ready to start doing some dancing sometimes. Even in the boots, I'll do it. <laughs> Amen. But I'm just encouraged. I'm saying that because I was thinking about it, but I encourage you that if the Spirit moves upon you, that's all right. Anybody who knew my dad when he was here would know that the Spirit moved upon him. He didn't care who was around, how long it lasted, where he was at, how loud it was, how quiet it was, or who heard it. He was just going to do it. He was free. Praise God, now he's with the Lord. But as we worship the Lord together, and the music and whatnot fades away and comes to an end, we're moving into tithe and offering. We extend our worship to the Lord by giving him glory for what he's done in our life. That's what this is. You've been blessed by the Lord. He asks something of you when it comes to your finances. Amen? Yeah, and that's very much. I'm honest with you. 10%, right? Minimum. Even though, like I've said before, he's a 100% God. So be faithful in giving. The word says, give what you've decided to give in your heart. Paul calls an offering from the Corinthians and says, determine in your heart what to give and be a cheerful giver. Amen? All right. Lord, I thank you for your offering. Thank you that you've established it, that you've made it into something. You ask for really so little. Pray that you can bless it and continue to bless us. And move upon us and let us feel like as we give, we're still worshiping you, Lord. We're saying, here you go. I'm not just going to give out of my abundance. I'm going to give everything I have. I would give it all to you, Lord. We'll go to the cross with you. You've asked us to take up our cross daily. Follow after you. That includes finances and money, time, relationship, our speech, conversation, the way we act. We want your kingdom to be here, Lord. Bring your kingdom here in Jesus' name. Amen. And you can bring it up if you brought it tonight. Am I a little loud? I feel loud. No? All right. All right. Be louder? All right. Matthew, I might just do that. Uh, Samaritan took care of the announcements, so I'm just going to go right into it here. You can keep playing if you want. Okay, but, all right, I guess we're staying. You need a cue or something, like tip my, tip my hat or something. <clears throat> so, as I was praying there, Lord, let your kingdom come here. Tonight, uh, I'm going to just speak about when they asked Jesus, what's the kingdom of heaven look like? He said, this is what the kingdom of heaven looks like. So the title of tonight's message is God's kingdom. What does that look like? Matthew 22, verse 1. In the whole Matthew 22, uh, 1 through 14, I don't know if I'll get through all of it tonight, but I'm going to try. It describes the kingdom of heaven, right? We've established that. It says, and Jesus inter- uh, I'm sorry, answered and spoke to them again by a parable. Jesus often spoke in parables, and he said, The kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who arranged a marriage for his son. And he sent out his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding, and they were not willing to come. So I'm going to kind of break this down a few verses at a time. Um, he's basically beckoning people that he thinks should be there. He's made a guest list. He's beckoning people that he makes 
there, wants to be there to the wedding of his son, right? He says he calls those who would, would come. And then, uh, even though he had, he had prepared this, this guest list previously, it spoke in verse 3 and said, uh, and he sent out his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding, and they were not willing to come. So, there's a couple things happening here. One, two things you need to know. Uh, I wrote them down. I'm just going to read it because I keep babbling. There's an inv invitation that was for Jews become part of the kingdom, right? He said, I, I came to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. That's when he came to the earth and, and preached in Jerusalem. They were called through the prophets of old. He knew who he wanted there, and he knew who he didn't want there. Okay, so Jesus is beckoning, reckoning the kingdom to a, a king who had a wedding for his son. He's invited people to come. He knows who he wants there. He knows who he has not invited, okay? And he sent out the servants to go and call the people who are, who are supposed to come to the feast. And many of them said, I'm not coming. Uh, this is Matthew's gospel. Luke records it a different way. One says, like, I've just bought a field and uh, I got to go look at it. One says, I got married. I can't come. He didn't even give a reason. He's like, I got married, so you know I ain't coming. The other one said, I bought some oxen. I got to, you know, go test them out, try them out. But in Matthew, it just says, they're not willing to come. So the one thing that uh, I've spoken about said that there was a, an invitation. He had a guest list. He knew who he wanted there. He knew who he didn't want there. You, unless you're a Jew, were not part of that original guest list. Now, I'm going somewhere with this. Don't feel like, oh, we're, you know, we're not called. We're not saved. I'm going somewhere. But a part of the original guest says that he gave us, he grafted us in because he was rejected by the house of Israel. Right? And he knew that was going to happen. Number two, the second thing you need to know is there's going to be a wedding. There is going to be a wedding, amen? And we're going to get to be a part of it. We're the bride. We're the one that he called and said, come to this wedding. Come be pure before me because you are my bride. Verse four, they said no. Again, he sent out other servants saying, tell those who are invited, see, I have prepared dinner and oxen and fatted cat, uh, cattle are killed and all things are ready. Come to the wedding. He's saying, look, you didn't want to come, but you got to listen to me. I've already prepared the feast. I've already prepared the fatted calf. I've been saving for this. You're invited. I'm a king. Remember, he said it's like a king. He is a king who's inviting people who are, you know, kings, who do they invite? Royalty. They invite higher ups, Right. To the weddings of their, their children and things. He said, I've already prepared. He said, the king tries to entice, this is my words, the king tried to entice the invited guests by naming the benefits of coming to the wedding. The oxen, the fatted calf, all things are ready. He said, the food has been prepared for your enjoyment, just come. All things are prepared. There is nothing for you to do, just come. That's what he said. This is the kingdom. We're talking about the kingdom. Remember, God, his kingdom is an actual kingdom. That's something I think we need to get in our minds. It's not a democracy. We live in a democracy, right, here on the earth. But you better know that when he comes back, he reigns from the city of, of Jerusalem. It's going to be a kingdom, baby, and there ain't going to be no deciding except him. He's going to make the calls. He's going to make the decisions. So this parable... It's a, it's a for instance, right? Because it is a parable, but it's actually going to happen. There is going to be a marriage supper of the Lamb. There is going to be a, a, a bride. There is going to be a, a feast and a, a banquet. And guess who's invited now? We are. Amen? There's nothing for you to do. Just come. Um, verse 5. But again, they made light of it and went their way, one to his own farm and another to his business. This represents the guests being full of pride and selfishness. Verse 6, and they rested, I'm sorry, and the rest seized his servants, treated them spitefully, and even killed them. So they've grown un, uninterested in the things of the king. These are people who knew the king, right? These are people who he had 
had had previous relationship with. I'm going to invite this person. Go invite this person. Go invite that person. Go invite that person. And these are people who he thought would come. They didn't come. Um, they made light of his request. And it was because they didn't really know the king. He knew him, but they didn't know him like he should know him. Their hearts had grown rich with pride. The guests had become selfish, only caring about their own affairs. Uh, and then they seized the servants and killed them. They had forgotten, or maybe they never knew, the great wrath of the king. Think about this. If you're invited to a wedding, party, get together, the kind thing to do is be like, I can't make it, right? And you usually don't have to find an excuse because everybody seems to be busy enough to not go out of their way to go to somebody's party. But these guys didn't do that. Or maybe they did it first, but then when the king said, just come, I prepared it all for you. You understand, this is for your benefit to honor my son. They said, no, we're not just going to say no to that. We're actually going to take the, the servants that you've sent to us and we're going to kill them. Just to show you that we don't care about you. We're not afraid of you. They've lost or maybe they never knew the wrath of the king. So they also underestimated the love that the king had for his son. Understand that whether they came or not, the king will have guests at his son's wedding. One way or the other, right? They chose to dishonor him and his son. Uh, God never fails, that's what I put. He's going to have, he's gonna have guests at his wedding no matter what because God never fails, right? Verse 7, but when the king heard about it, he was furious. And he sent out his armies and destroyed those murderers and burned up their city. So here the, the wrath of the king is released. The grace from verse, this is the grace from verse 4 that we talked about. The one where he asked them again and said, oh, come anyway because I've done this for you. That grace has now become wrath and fury in the eyes of the king. We have been given grace. God's being patient and calling people to the wedding. But there will come a time where the grace will run out. And not so much it'll run out, but God's going to change it, right? He's got Right now, he's got grace for sin, he's got grace for sin, he's got grace for sin, but when he said enough is enough, that grace is going to turn into wrath, and then there won't be any more saving. There will be no more change. So it might be when you die, right? We'll say that. But eventually, for everyone, it's going to run out. His kingdom will be established on the earth. But when you die, grace has run out. There'll be no more chances after that. Then if you haven't accepted Christ, if you're not walking for him, if you're not living according to his word, then you get what they get. B, the wrath of his armies, not a slap on the wrist, will come upon them, and not only them, but their families, because the proud did not teach their children about the fear and respect for the king either. This is where it says he, his armies were sent out, and he killed those murderers and burned up their city. Verse 8, then he said to the servants, the wedding is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy. I looked this up. That seemed like a strange uh, word to say there. And the king declares his guests were not worthy. Uh, Greek, the word is axios, deserving, compatible, suitable. You ever use the Strong's? I know Christine's uses Strong's, Strong's concordance, right? It'll give uh, Greek, like Greek definitions of words, Greek translation of the word, what it means. And then it'll often give like a, a Hebrew comparable translation because Old Testament is mostly Aramaic and Hebrew, New Testament is mostly Greek uh, or all Greek. So the, the Hebrew comparable word to that is it's bane, B-A-N-E. This is worthy we're talking about. A son or a builder of the family name. And this implies a deeper relationship. So he said about, so let me, let me stop there. Verse 8. He prepared the dinner. He called people to come. They didn't want to come. He said, instead of releasing wrath right then, he said, okay, you don't want to come, but let me entice you by telling you what I have for you. I've prepared a meal for you. I've prepared fine things for you. I count you worthy to come to this banquet of me and my son. This is a king we're talking about. But they said, we're not coming. We're going to kill your servants. We're going to show you that we don't care about you. Then he said, 
Go get other servants, or go get other people, because these ones are not worthy to come. Amen? Verse 9, uh, therefore, this is the king talking, therefore, go into the highways, I'm sorry, go into the highways, and as many as you find, invite to the wedding. So, king throws away his original guest list and makes the wedding open to anyone and everyone. This is why I said we weren't part of the original guest list, but now we've been grafted in. Amen. He says, okay, I'm going to invite everyone. And we all knew, we all know that Jesus died for everyone. That's why we're here. Amen. This is the saving grace for the Gentiles, me and you. Uh, Colossians 1, 19 through 23. This is just a, a reference. I'm going to read it up here so I don't have to flip to it. Colossians 1, 19-23. For it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell, and by him to reconcile all things to himself, by him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. And you who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. If indeed you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast, and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you've heard, which was preached to every creature under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. So what this is saying is now it's been opened up. For all of us to receive the grace of God. And if you continue in the word, then we will also be saved. The word says those who continue to the end or persevere to the end will be saved. Amen. Verse 10. I guess I am going to get through this. So those servants went out into the highways and gathered together all whom they found, both bad and good. And the wedding hall was filled with guests. So... I looked that up, bad and good. I thought, okay, that's, why would they gather the bad and the good? Because everybody's been invited. Praise God, he gathered the bad and the good. I'd still be out there being bad if he hadn't called the bad, right? Everyone gets a chance. Everyone gets the same opportunity. This is evangelism, folks. These servants are Christians, the servants are the ones who go out into, the word says, the highways and the byways. They gather the lame, the blind, the naked, the poor, the selfish, the bad, the ones who steal, the ones who, you know, do bad things. They gather all of them and they say, he said, bring them all to the wedding feast. <laughs> the king noticed, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, this is evangelism. The servants are Christians and they call all to come to repentance. Good and bad men in a worldly sense. Good is virtuous, kind, and helpful. Of course, bad is evil, mischievous. In a sense. So this isn't like, oh, the good means this, and it's some secret meaning, and the bad really means this. It's good and bad. Verse 11. But when the king came in to see the guests, he saw a man there who did not have on a wedding garment. Ooh, all right, so... Jewish tradition back then <clears throat> came to a wedding, especially the wedding of a king or, or some royalty of some sort. They would give you garments. They would give everyone a garment to wear as a guest. So this, this man, one of the people who came, uh, the king came, right? He came in and he looked around at all his guests and they were all having fun. They were all, you know, being pleased and things. And he looked and he saw one. And he recognized that one. That one stood out from the rest. He didn't have a wedding garment. The king didn't run out of wedding garments. The king offered the man a wedding garment. He didn't have one. Why not? The king notices the man right away because he looks different than the other guests. Right? Uh, I explained Jewish tradition was to give the wedding garments. Um. These garments belong to royalty, to rich people, not commoners. We got them because royalty rejected the invitation, right? We talked about that. Refusing the wedding garment showed disrespect and rebellion. Disrespect to the king equals death. So verse 12, 
He note, or verse 11, he walks up, he sees the man without a wedding garment. So he says, friend, how did you come in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Jesus questions the man and now, or I'm sorry, and without a wedding garment, the man was speechless to the king. Now listen, if this man was in the wedding, at the banquet, at the feast, he would have been offered a wedding garment. He would have been offered the same thing that everybody else got offered and obviously accepted. He said no. Other people at the wedding or the, the banquet would have said, hey, why don't you have a wedding garment? He's like, I'm doing my own thing or something, right? He obviously had a different way of thinking than the rest of them. I can't stress enough that even though they tried to persuade him or offered him a wedding garment, tried to get him what everyone else had, because they knew the servants know you have to have one because if the king sees you without one, he won't let you stay here. And the only other option from staying at the banquet is going to be in a place without the Holy Spirit, without Christ, right? Separated from the king. So they knew that. He obviously didn't care. This is an example of someone who tries to get salvation some other way. Pride and unbelief are at the center of this. So, all, you know, well, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but... The invitation has been extended to all. Everybody, good and bad, has been invited. A bunch of them have shown up. All of them have on a, the right attire, the right wedding garment, except one. The king walks up to that one and says, how did you get here without the wedding garment? And he didn't even have an answer. He was speechless. Before that, I guarantee you he wasn't speechless. Before, when he was talking to all the servants and all the, you know, the other people there, and asked, they probably asked him the same thing, but in the face of the king... In have an answer. And that's the way it's going to be. When they stand before the king, all the people we know, maybe even some who come to church, maybe even some who try to look like the right thing, but really in their heart, they haven't accepted Christ. We may not be able to see the difference right away, but Christ sees the difference. Jesus knows the difference. He can look down and say, who's got on a wedding garment? Who's coming after me? Who really wants to be with me? Who is just going through the motions? And if you're a person who maybe is just going through the motions and don't know it and think, oh, this is what it's about. Going to church is what it's about. Sitting on the, you know, the seats and singing the songs, that's what it's about. Then he has grace right now. But when he touches your heart, if you let pride take over and hardness of heart and say, I'm just going to keep doing it the way that I want to do it. He's got something else planned for you, unfortunately. All right, let's keep going. Sorry. Verse 13. Then the king said to the servants, bind him hand and foot and take him away and cast him into outer darkness there will, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The man is banished to outer darkness, banished to hell, right? He goes to hell. No more grace is given at this point. We talked about that in verse 7. The king will no longer store up wrath, but will let his righteous judgment be revealed. No one that doesn't belong will be accepted at the banquet or the wedding. You go to Romans, uh, Justice, chapter 2, verse 5. The king will no longer store up his wrath, but will let his righteous judgment be revealed. But in accordance with your hardness and your impenitent heart, you are treasuring up for yourselves wrath in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render to each one according to his deeds. Eternal life to those who, by patient continuance in doing good, seek for glory, honor, and immortality, what I say through nine, but to those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation and wrath, tribulation and anguish on every soul of a man who, is, who does evil of the Jew first and also the Greek. Why? Last verse. Because many are called, but few are chosen. What does that mean? That means... That everybody has a chance. Everybody, remember? The good and the bad. 
We all get to come. We all get to be part of the invitation. We all get to come and be part of the banquet. But if you don't do it his way, you don't put on the wedding garment, ain't going to make it. The king's coming, right? Jesus is coming. And really what I wanted to talk to you about is, remember, we're talking about the kingdom on earth. We're talking about the kingdom of heaven. What's it like? This is what it's like. It's like a king who invites you to come. When you come, everything's prepared for you. It's already there. But you have to do it his way. Many will respond, but their own hardened heart and exalted thinking will get in the way. They will not surrender to Christ. Uh, Some few will be chosen from the cold. Because they accepted the call and put on the wedding garment and followed the king, submitting to his sovereign will. We all know that when you get saved, when you really give your heart to the Lord, that's what you're doing. You're giving your heart to the Lord. You're giving your whole life to the Lord, not adding Christ to your life, not continuing to go the same way. We have to look different than we used to look. We don't want to look the same. See, that's the problem. When he looked out, when the king looked out and saw all the people in their wedding garments, they all looked different than what they did, but the one that didn't have a wedding garment on, he looked the same as he always did. And that's how the Lord knew he's not welcome here. And he didn't just say, I'll give him another chance. He said, no, the time has run out for you because you tried to do it your own way. One of my favorite scriptures uh, in John 831, I'll turn there real quick. This is a good example of when we're called, we still have to live for him. It doesn't end as soon as we get saved. Amen. That's the beginning of eternity, we say. But that's not the end of what our expectation is. I have to live a certain way. I've known the Lord almost 20 years got saved when I was 17 and I was one of the bad that he had called after we got married I was saved when we, when we met Samara and I after uh, we got married there was a time where I was backslidden you know what she said to me she said I don't even know you I don't recognize you you are not who I married of course, you know, I thought, oh, what a great metaphorical thing to say. You know, oh, you're not who I married. I am who you married. You just didn't know it, you know, whatever. But I'm telling you, she'll testify. I was a different man. I didn't look the same. She knew me one way. And I'd gone back to the way I'd always been. You have to continue. John 8, 31 says... And Jesus said to those who believed in him, If you abide in my word or continue in my word, you will be my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth and the truth will make you free. We get saved by grace, salvation. We come to the banquet because we're called. We've been asked to come. Those who were originally asked, rejected him and we got a shot now we come when we get there we still have to obey him we still have to live in his word right when i go to the store and i'm working on it i'm telling you when i go to the store and somebody in a car you know looks at me and people do it nowadays right they look at you and they you know if you cut them off or or something by mistake or even if you're just driving too slow my goodness they look at you and they you know, make gestures at you, and they are just not ashamed of it anymore. And when we were in, we were in Florida a couple months ago, and I was backing out of a parking spot, really busy place, a hotel, and uh, there was nobody coming, like behind me, because there was a road behind me, nobody coming. <clears throat> we're in the van, right? It's a big one. So it's kind of hard to see, but nobody coming. And I started backing up, and this guy come out of nowhere, vroom, right behind me. I was like, whoa, hit my brakes. And then he stopped. 
looked out his window, you know, did this number. <laughs> I was like, what did I, he wasn't even there. You know what I mean? And so the call, <laughs> the call is when stuff, and that's little, right? I mean, my goodness, guys, we're coming into a time where things could get much, much harder than that. That's just little. But how, if we can't do the little things, if we can't even look different in those times where the little things are coming against us, how are we ever supposed to withstand in times of persecution, real persecution, when you haven't done anything wrong? Withstand, you know, when your family might be involved. As we're getting there. There's becoming a, a more clear line of separation right now between the Christian and the unchristian. Those who love God, those who don't love God. And, and understand, at some point, Christ will become the enemy of the state, of the place we live, of the world, right? Right now, it's, it's, it's kind of not talked about, you know what I mean? But it's going to happen. It's going to come out and they're going to say, now we're going to do this because you're a, a Christ follower. You know what I mean? And those are the things we have to be prepared for. Maybe he'll come before that. I don't know. <laughs> Let's hope. All I know is this, from this scripture, from this passage, I know that I've been invited. I've been called. We've been chosen. And the choice, as God is, the gentleman that he is, is up to you. Whether you want to follow and keep following or not. And, and nobody knows what you do in secret. See, that's what I tell my kids. You know, they say, oh, this is, they're talking about, you know, somebody they've seen on TV or public speaking, something they say, oh, that, that person's a Christian. And I was like, how do you know that? And they said, oh, because he gave, he thanked the Lord at his speech or whatever. And I was like, yeah, right. <laughs> All right. Well, maybe he is. But you don't know what he does in secret. You know? Only the Lord knows. And, but those are the times, we, the things we do in secret where we know and the Lord knows are you really following? Really coming after him? Because the one out in public is obvious. You know, it's obvious when we abrupt or when we erupt in public and things like that. But it's what we do in secret is when we know. So um, I'm going to close with that. But I am going to pray that the Lord gets a hold of us in a way that's different than everybody else. That we don't take advantage of the benefit of serving God without going through the obedience to his will. We continue in his word so that we can be his disciples. I want to make it. I want to make it there. I don't want to run this race and then fall away at the end. I don't want to run this race and then something too hard comes against me and I haven't been prepared for it. I want to know hard things are going to come. And in that day, I'm going to stand because I know who he is and I know he's called and he's chosen us. Amen? Amen. Father, we give you glory. We give you thanks. We know that you are a king who is kind, who shows mercy at every turn, says that your mercies are new every morning. Father, that you give us grace even when we sin more. The word says grace abounds even more. That's just so opposite of the world. When we sin more in the world, the punishment gets harder and harder. But you pour out more grace. Pray, Lord, that you would remind us. I want you to stay in the forefront of our mind every day. That we can think about you constantly. Lord, that when we're sitting at our desk or when we're doing our construction job or nursing job or uh, whatever, walking around the town, Lord, or helping with schools or helping with home, whatever we're doing, we're thinking about you, that everything we do can be modeled around what you want. We know that you've called and you've chosen us. We know that you are saying we are worthy because of the blood of Christ, that you've taken the good and the bad you put us all together in a room and offered everybody the garment. We say we want to be part of your bride. We want to be there in the end, Lord. Change us day by day. 
Make us new. Make us more like you. Make us sons who, and daughters who build the family name. Make us resemble you. That way when people in the world see us, they know there's something different. And they want it too. Let us be the servants who go out and we call the ones on the streets into uh, the wedding feast and say, come, everything's prepared. Just come and be a part of what God's doing. Have eternal life. <laughs> we want to be those ones. Help us to be those in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And we can go. In the mighty name of Jesus. <laughs>